listening to How I Sell, a podcast built for early career sales professionals. You'll hear stories, best practices, and guidance from top sales leaders on what it takes to become a sales superstar. Today's episode is made possible by Ramped Careers. Ramped is on a mission to build the next generation of workforce-ready talent. Our guest for today is Daniel Klein. Daniel is the head of sales at Firebolt. He has been in tech sales since uh, 2008 and has been closing uh, deals since then. Thank you so much, Daniel, for uh, joining us today. Thank you for having me, Manaj. Uh, hey, listen, I, I know you and I caught up a little bit before uh, I hit the record button, but for the, for the you know, sake of the rest of our audience, uh, tell us a little more about yourself. Oh man, whenever I get that question, it's hard for me to know where to start. I, um, so I am kind of, uh, I guess you could say your standard guy like sports, uh, definitely highly competitive. Um, you, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I've been in the tech space for 12 years. So I've been sleeping, eating, breathing, technology uh, ever since I left college. Um, about 10 of those years, I was in BI uh, exclusively, so business intelligence. If you're familiar with like Tableau, Looker, some crazy acquisitions with them. Um, so did a, did a lot in that world. And now I'm in the cloud data warehouse world which I feel very lucky to be a part of. Um, I feel like BI was, um, you know, one of the, one of the best places to be for a while. It got a little commoditized and now uh, I'm in probably one of the hottest software segments on the face of the planet competing with, you know, Snowflake and BigQuery and Redshift, you know, the small guys out there. <laughs> that's a that's an incredible background, but I'm going to disagree with you on one thing. I don't think you're a standard guy. Um, anyone that just looks you up online, I'm just seeing success stacked on top of success stacked on top of success and sales is really, really hard. I mean, even when you started out being number one out of 100 reps is really hard. How did you make it happen? Are you just like a naturally good salesperson? Um, did you have to work at it? What, what's your secret sauce and how can, how can everyone else be you? Uh, I'd love to say that it was natural. I think there, there was a two, there's a few stories that come to mind. There's three main things that come to mind when you say that. The first is absolutely, there's a natural component to it. I, I like talking, I like people, I like conversation. I think more than anything is I love people being able to see the way that I see the world. So if you're passionate about the way that you see something, if you're genuinely passionate about that, whether it's your, your job, the product that you're selling, uh, it could be about religion, it could be about cars. If you are passionate about something, that becomes fun to talk about and getting people to see your point of view on something uh, it's something that for me, I just always was into. So I was always debating people in college and that's just, that's just how I was. I was that guy. But, um, you know, so that's one thing is, is the passion is, I, I believe, important to sales. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, like way back when I was a kid, my mom would find me at the grocery store with like a toy that was different than the one that I walked in with. A completely, I was trading 
with kids and I'd get in trouble because I'd end up with this incredible toy, you know, compared to. So ever since I was a kid, uh, it was it was something that was in me. But really where I learned uh, was going door to door. I went door to door selling security systems during college. Uh, there was a summer where, um, you know, I had basically nothing to do. And my buddy happened to get a slip on his car saying, come you know, do security. And he showed up thinking he was going to be a security guard. They were like, no, you're, <laughs> you're going to be selling security systems, dude. And so he did that for the year before. And then he asked me to do it the next year. Yeah. And uh, I ended up doing that. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, uh, you have a hundred people show up and there's 20 people there at the end and five people have made money. And yeah, there was some natural ability to it, but me and my buddy, we were the only ones practicing every day pretending like, like knocking role play constantly. I mean, that shit was hard. That was yeah. hard. So that's where I cut my teeth. And then luckily got into, you know, I'm kind of one of the original, not original, but like the SDR BDR got yeah. in at the right time. And I had gone door to door at that point. There was nothing too hard. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't overcome at that point. I, I can only imagine, um, I'm sure you've heard your fair share of no's. Some of it seems to be timing, but it also looks like you had the intuition very early on that this is going to be a bit of work and that role playing is, is key uh, because the other 95 folks didn't do it. Now, why you had that intuition, uh, maybe it's a function of you being competitive. Maybe you just hated to lose, but, uh, but what's also evident is just the sheer amount of effort, right? It doesn't, it looks like that has always stayed constant. You busted your tail off at, at, at every single job. Uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you've done tech sales for a bit, right? I mean, you, I would say that back when you started, that's when, you know, tech sales, as we know today, uh, was, was starting to kind of firm up its roots, the model of a XDR and then an AE and this whole transferring the sales process and all of the books that were written, um, things were heating up then. And you've seen it progress. Uh, things have gotten better. Some things have straight gone to shit, including just, you know, prospecting by email. I open up my inbox and I'm like, oh God, like some poor kid somewhere. But you've seen it all. You've, you've been there. You've done that. What has changed the most? Because you have the benefit of hindsight. Oh my God, that's such a good question. <laughs> I remember when I sat down to be an SDR. <laughs> this is a crazy story. We would just get lists, like not a list in like seamless or zoom in, you know, like these were not well prepared lists. These were just, I mean, I'd have lists with like Michael Dell, you know, like just ridiculous. <laughs> and they were just like call and set up meetings with anybody. And I didn't know any better at the time. I had no freaking idea. So I would literally be calling executives. It'd be a switchboard and I'd be eating like my morning oatmeal. And I'd hear them on the line be like, this kid is asking for Michael Dell. He's eating breakfast. I, what? what is and I swear we used to get these lists. And now, man, when these new SDRs come in, I'm just, I'm, they're like already light years beyond where I was then with, the way that they outreach to prospects. I mean, you know, at least where I was at SciSense, look, there's tools like outreach and a lot of people are getting spammed. It's, it's a huge problem is how do you stick out 
in mm-hmm. the sea of outreach that is out there. And one week we're talking about, it needs to be specialized and you need to look at their LinkedIn. You have to throw something in there. And then the next week's like, stop brown nosing. You can't be brown nosing like that. They know everyone's <laughs> doing that now. And that you just gotta be really straightforward. And then suddenly we're really straightforward with people and people are like, man, he really didn't do his research. So it's just like right now, the game is evolving so fast. Yep. So fast, because as soon as one wave picks up, just like you said, on LinkedIn, someone starts doing something, everyone's Everybody doing it. Now, it. So, I mean, to stick out these days as an SDR is hard. Um, I would say the biggest difference is really like, even with all the tools, mm-hmm. even with all the knowledge, even with it's just as hard as when I was an ADR, maybe hard, it's it's still the same because everyone's playing the same game mm-hmm. away. You know, there's no one has like an edge. So, you know, he, let's just say the SDRs then would have kicked my ass back then. We'll say yeah. it like that. Yeah. I mean, I, you've nailed it on the head. I have read recently and by recently, I mean in the past two days, two very different posts from two, I'd call them sales leader influencers that have huge followings. One of them was a, screenshot of oh look at this sdr that prospected this is awesome there was no bullshit there wasn't any oh you and i are part of you know we went to the same school except i went 30 years after you and there was none of that it was just straight up straight up pitch them the second one was like oh look at this so thoughtfully written the first sentence flows into the second sentence and i'm like oh, i mean poor kids like what do you expect these folks to do right and then at the same time it's like where are your activity metrics you need to hit volume but then you also need to personalize the shit out of it. I mean, how much can you do? Um, you're 21, uh, right? And so it is a challenge. But at the end of the day, I, I feel like everyone's trying to go for the buyer's attention. But I wonder, are we, we're all buyers at the same time. Do we not think about how we would like to be sold at all in the process? I Sometimes I feel like we're creating this artificial buyer that doesn't exist and competing with ourselves in figuring out ways of reaching them. When at the end of the day, you're a buyer yourself. You pause and think, how would I like to be sold to? I don't know. Maybe things would be a little bit different. There is no right or wrong answer, by the way. I'm not trying to you know, be prescriptive here, but I wonder, what are you doing? How yeah. would, what's, your, what's your current theory? Because I know it'll change in a couple of years, but today, what's the operating understanding? I think you make a great point. Um... You know, there was uh, there was this one guy that I worked with at uh, uh, at SciSense. He was an ADR. Um, he's now an AE, and this is this is probably about two years ago. He started as an ADR, and you know, this was definitely the time where outreach was peaking. It's like everyone's using outreach. It's all about sequences. It was it was everything, and he was like, "I hate it. I don't know." Uh, I just, I find the right people. I write a tailored message that's in my voice. I find something about them. And I mean, he was just crushing it, crushing it. So while the whole market was zigging, he was zagging, mm-hmm. which I think is just a great way to think about things sometimes. But my, my point to this is that, you know, you mentioned how would we like to be sold? Mm-hmm. The reason that he did that is because that's what he enjoyed. That's genuinely what he enjoyed. That's how he liked to prospect. That's what made sense to him. The way that his voice came out the best, 
the way that Hugh's being perceived by the prospect as real, as someone who's going to provide value, as someone who does have an actual voice and is going to provide real value to them, was he was just being the purest version of himself in his outreach. And I think that that really worked. So only when we are being kind of genuine to ourselves in are we doing what we want, mm-hmm. is, are, is the prospect able to receive and recognize that? And people want to talk to people that are being genuine because if they recognize that you're being genuine in your outreach and they can hear through your voice that you're being genuine, what do you think they're going to believe? They're going to believe, damn, this guy probably has a good product. He sounds genuine and he's saying something about his product. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy sounds like a real person and he's talking about a product, not just like a product. It becomes an extension of them. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I really, it was, a, you know, I really believe I talked about, you know, me being passionate, you know, that passion, number one, you got to believe in what you're selling and to an extent, also believe in yourself and not always be looking outside of yourself. What it's always important to learn what other people do, but also sometimes look within, am I doing this the way that I'd want to do this? Is it actually working? Is this actually working? Am I doing the same thing every single day, getting the same results Or am I looking within and saying, man, I might be able to do something different that is maybe even more fun, that is more me too. And that's something that uh, I know I've even been doing a little bit more of because I'm doing, I do a little outreach here and there and I'm just like casual. I'm just like, what's up? You know, like, and it's been working for me a little bit better. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Sorry, that was a long. No, that makes, but it makes sense though, because what (laughs) what I'm hearing is that this particular ADR in this instance was given the freedom and latitude to experiment a little bit. Because in the the very outset, I'm sure it was an experiment because it was a departure from what everybody else was doing. Do you think that more sales leaders should give? their SDR or BDR team, this level of deference and latitude about how they prospect, understanding full well that some of these may just not work. That's the, that's the idea of an experiment. Not everything's going to work. But when it does click, it's going to click really well and produce lasting results. So my question to you is this. Is that what you see is happening in the marketplace? Because there's two schools of thought. One is, we have a process. We're going to follow it. You're going to come in, follow a script, follow his emails, add your personality and pizzazz a little bit, but we got a process in place. And then there's this other laissez-faire school of thought. Is there a middle ground? How would you? How are you thinking about building your sales team today For uh, sure. at Firebolt? For sure. It's a great question. Um, so if you would have asked me that a year and a half or two years ago, and I was, you know, a director at SciSense, I think that I would have told you something along the lines of, we have a playbook. We need to understand this, 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 and this before we do this. And then this happens. And if you're not doing this, then you're worthless. You know, you're not. And, um, and I also, a big challenge that I had in being a sales rep at SciSense and then moving to becoming a director is I wanted everyone to be me. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted everyone to sell the way that I sold. And what I recognized, uh, it actually took some time. This is a painful thing to go through. 
was that that's not going to happen. You really need to recognize people for the talents that they have. And so there's going to be certain people who love a process. You got to hire people and recognize what are they great at. It's part of being an excellent leader. Part of being a leader is recognizing the people who are going to need that process. And you got to have a process. You got to have some idea of how things work. And you also want to be able to build a culture where people can try, try new things. You got to let people fall on their face. And the only way that companies get better is by doing things different. We're, we're in a constantly evolving world to keep doing what we were doing yesterday isn't always going to work today. But, you know, I recognize that there were some people who needed that process and some people who just were able to like get on a call and shoot this shit with someone and they were not process oriented at all, at all. And no matter how hard I tried, they, they just wouldn't do it. They just would not gather requirements. They wouldn't set expectations. They wouldn't, but they knew where there was money. They knew where the money was. They were great at that. And everyone liked this guy. Everyone liked this guy. He's just a naturally awesome dude. And I had a pure opposite, like process oriented, use documentation, set expectations, totally different. Both got the job done. Mm-hmm. So you got to... You got to make space for that. And if at a company you set the expectation that you got to do it one way, that's no fun. That's no fun, man. I don't want, I don't want to build a sales organization where everyone's, you know, you know, like kind of, no, I want something where people are bringing different aspects and different styles and we're all learning from each other. The way I think about it is like, um, like, a you know, a basketball team. Yeah. Right. I think of it like a basketball team. You got different players doing different things. And I was at the gym recently one time where there was a bunch of guys who kind of all look the same. They're all shooting three pointers. They're all passing each other, shooting three pointers. It was boring as shit. It was so boring. And they were okay. They were great. They felt comfortable with each other because they were like each other. And then my buddy, this is a true story. My buddy wanted to play and he's a bigger dude, five, not tall, but bigger. Yeah. Very different style than these guys. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to accept him, even though they knew that he made the game better. So very nice. They knew that he made the game better. Yeah. Because they were scared that they might not measure up or that his way is better. You know, they didn't feel confident in where they were to let someone else in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to make space on the team for different types because that's how a great basketball team works, where everyone has different styles and different ways of working. That's how a real team flows. Yeah. Not everyone well, doing the same thing. I, so. I love that. No, that makes so much sense. I love it because your buyers have different personalities. Not all of your buyers are going to be the same person. And 100%. it's to your advantage to have a sales team that is diverse and not just the way they look and talk and speak, but also in the way that they think. And let's talk about buyers a little bit more. You're selling a fairly technical product um, to technical buyers. Historically, there was this perception that, you know, selling to a technical buyer, let's call this the office of the CTO, CIO is, or the CFO, even for that matter, it's a different kind of, you know, a technical product is different from selling to like a salesperson or a marketer. Uh, is that really the case? Like, are these, are they, are these buyers particularly difficult? Or is that just like a sales myth that people say is just so it gives them something to talk about? 
It's a good question. Again, I, I, uh, you know, I've almost historically sold to technical buyers. So I've been in, you know, I went from door to door selling in like not the best neighborhoods to selling technical people software products. There was no in between world, even though my dad said that I should work at enterprise. I was like, that's not happening. <laughs> uh, by the way, nothing wrong with enterprise. That's a great place to start. I, I've talked with sales guys who moved from enterprises to the software world, right? It's just, I'd already cut my teeth. That was, <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think it's all about building champions. I think it's all about building champions. So at the end of the day, of course, there's going to be differences between me selling to a, a data engineer, a lead data engineer, and selling to a VP of sales or a director of sales or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, uh, you need to make sure that you understand for this all the time with sales cycles, people are focused on what is this going to do for the business? Tell me what this is going to do for the business. How is this going to affect your business? Mm -hmm. You're asking a person right in front of you. Yes, cares about the business, but what does this person really care about? Themselves. Mm -hmm. This person cares about themselves. So all the time, buyers are already trying to think, or uh, sellers are already trying to think about how do I get to the decision maker? How do I understand how this is affecting the business? Why don't you understand the buyer? How is this affecting them day to day? Literally every single day. What is, you know, what is this solution going to do for them specifically? first. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you can get a broader understanding. And that that needs to happen both on the technical side and the non-technical side. Like so often we talk to that first person on the demo and they already know we're thinking about the decision maker and we're trying to get around them. No, no. I, I think that we need to do a much better job at building champions of course, there's going to be differences in the personalities between a data engineer and a salesperson. But at the end of the day, if they know, if they know that the most important thing while they are talking to you is them, the single most important thing is them, and that you're focused on them and their problems and their issues, they're more than happy to talk to you about the business and the other people who are involved at the, right, at the right time. Got it. I mean, listen, it, this is this is practical. It's, it, I, I don't want to say common sense because lots of folks don't do it. Um, and, you know, my understanding is if it's common sense and hell, why is everyone not doing it? Uh, I think that you're often trying to balance your own personal goal of trying to get a deal done. And sometimes you think that that competes with the buyer's goal, which is cutting a check for a piece of product or service that is going to help them. And deep within, I feel that sometimes you just want to push your agenda, even at the expense of the buyers. And, and that is probably what causes friction, if anything. Yes, and I, I the reason that I'm so passionate about this is I am the most guilty of it. <laughs> just the most guilty. The amount I remember just recently. This was this was one of the the last deals, which by the way did close. Yeah. This is one of the last deals that we closed when I was at SciSense. And I'm trying to get around her, challenging her, trying to get the and she was like, 
Daniel, I am it. You need to make this happen for me. I don't feel like you care about me and you keep trying to talk to other people straight up. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I had to apologize. And I just was like, I took a step back and I was like, you know, look, um, totally understand. My apologies. It's been amazing working with you. I know that you're trying to get every, you know, do everything that you can to make this happen. It's clear that this is a, this is more of a priority to you than it is to me. And you've done a lot to get us to where we are today. So I put myself in her shoes, make her feel understood. Just in my experience, I've worked with a ton of companies like you guys in the past, usually where the CTO is involved at some point in time. And I've just had times where we work with a ton of people and if they don't get involved, then it's not going to happen. And mm -hmm. the last thing that I'd want is for you to go through this entire process and then us not be able to deliver the solution for you. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry. I, I, I know that I overstepped. I have a tendency to do that. You can tell I always, I don't always know what's going on. And she got she her got guard it. down. We talked about it. She ended up introducing us to procurement, which sucked because <laughs> did, didn't understand the value at all. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, the, the building of the champions and the champions being recognized that you recognize that they are it for you yeah. and, they, and you are it for them is, is critical. That's critical. That makes sense. So to, to, to recap a couple of things, one is that you are not as, I don't know if I should say it this way, but you're not as inflexible as you used to be uh, because of the things that you've learned over time, that you're more open today to experiment, test, everything about sales, including, you know, how much of a process should you have and how much liberty should you give your, your team, your frontline sales team to experiment with the way they prospect, um, your composition of your sales team, uh, the way you develop your sales process. I'll ask you one, one last question um, and we'll, we'll wrap this up. What is, what is something that you're most optimistic about as you think about tech sales over the course of the next five years? What do you feel really good about? Just the direction that we're heading. Wow. What am I most optimistic about with tech sales? We're at the very beginning. I mean, we are literally at the very beginning of all of this. When you think about, you know, General Electric, 130 some odd years ago or whatever it may be and what that has evolved into. I mean, Apple, Facebook, Google, these companies last 30 years, we have no idea where technology is going. And every single year, something new and mind blowing comes out for God's sakes. We just developed a vaccine in less than a year mm -hmm. that's going to be distributed to billions of people because of medicine and technology. I mean, absolutely mind blowing yeah. where we're going in regards to what we know and our access to what other people know. So my optimism is just around the potential of technology in general. And that there's going to be so many opportunities for so many different types of people. Now, I am also the type of person who's a little bit scared of technology. 
Like right now, I created a rule for myself. My phone is in my room. Mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to touch my phone until I'm done with my work day. That's something that I do because I'm, I want to be with the people that I'm with. I want to be where I am as much of the time as possible. And I think that tech, especially your phone and social media makes that difficult. But man, I mean, to think that this world is going to be around for hundreds, thousands, millions of years, and we're right at the beginning of the internet and smartphones and man, it's mind blowing. Well, I mean, if you put it that way, uh, that's, that's a, I share your enthusiasm. I'm, I'm most optimistic about opportunities. Like you said, I mean, you know, what, what types of jobs will this unlock for people? Um, can folks have better lifestyles, right? Maybe it's someone else that was never able to buy a house and buy a car. Maybe yeah. it's Firebolt that lets them make uh, make that purchase and selling that software. It's it, it's it's a. I mean, I'm not I'm not exaggerating. It's 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 possible. It's it's very possible, right? I mean, companies grow quickly, and next thing you know, you may have a sales team of a hundred people and. You know, sometimes you don't think about it that way, but it's a hundred folks that you've been able to provide employment for and they build families and they send their kids to school. And that, that trickle down effect is, 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 is very strong. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that people were incredibly grateful about working a hard labor manufacturing job, assembling cars. It was not that long ago. People were considered themselves blessed, right? And that's unlocked the next pool of um, talent and and I'm, I'm i'm very optimistic as well that's that's actually a really nice way of saying it thank you daniel this has been a incredible conversation i love your energy i love the fact that you're not sitting on the other side and claiming to know everything and that you're you know despite the success that you've seen you're still open to acknowledging that there's things that could be changed and you know you're at the forefront of making that change really appreciate your time i'm sure that our audience will uh We'll love love this discussion. This is awesome. Thanks, Manash. Awesome.